everybody. This is Alternate Take. I am Danny Rodriguez. Welcome back to the show. On this episode, we went back into the octagon, like we always do. And we brought you guys back a recurring guest. We brought you guys Eric Nixick, the 2021 MMA Coach of the Year. And he was the 2020 MMA Coach of the Year, essentially making him the best goddamn trainer in the world. And uh, we got to pick his brain for a little bit. Eric is the head trainer for Francis Ngannou, the heavyweight champion of the world. He's also the head trainer for Misha Tate. He's the head trainer for Puna Soriano, for Aljamain Sterling, for Sean Strickland, for Julian Arosa, Dan Ige, all of your favorite fighters, man. He is an absolute animal, and he trains out of Extreme Couture MMA in Las Vegas. So to bring him back to talk about the last fights that just went down in 270 with Francis Ngannou was a, was a huge honor. Thanks a lot, Eric. Got anything to say there, JB? Yeah, huge honor. Absolute legend. Um, we started, or at least I started really following it. We went to, uh, what, Vegas last year, March? That's right. And for the first, or for the second, Stipe Nganu, which obviously was legendary. It was. And then about a year later, we're back in Anaheim watching live. Yeah. And the legendary fight again. Full circle. wins. Yeah, full circle. Honestly, now I think about it, I think we're the reason for the success, honestly. We've That's been probably in, true. Yeah. You're welcome, Eric, for teaching you how to coach fighters mm-hmm. anyways without further ado i bring to you the great mma coach eric nixick alternate take listeners what's up bitches we're back we did it again man we brought you the best mma coach in the world not only the 2020 mma coach of the year but the 2021 mma coach of the year we brought you eric nixick what's up sir what's up danny how you doing brother dude i'm doing great man interviewing eric nixick right now so my life's not too bad man it's all right <laughs> First thing first, but before we get to business, how's the family? Yeah, everybody's good, man. It was a nice little afternoon. Uh, everybody's kind of always scattered throughout the week, so it's nice to spend a Sunday with the fam and hang out. Oh, that's beautiful. You got to enjoy it now. Wait till they get old. They're going to be all happy dad's gone, too. They're going to be like, God damn, get out of here. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're on that, <laughs> they're on that train right now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Anyways, man, uh, the last time we had you on the podcast was, um, I believe, June of last year, which was right after uh, you guys' big win against Stipe. And um, a lot has happened since then. Um, I want to start off first with 270, dude. 270 was a phenomenal experience. I was there for the show. Uh, walk me through it, man. I, I know there's a lot leading up to it, you know, with uh, several gain fighting. And it, it was just an amazing experience, man. Walk me through that whole thing. Yeah, I feel like I blacked out to the whole thing. I don't remember much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was chaos. It was chaos the, the whole uh the whole three and a half weeks leading up to obviously with Francis getting that knee injury, um, you know, weighed heavy on me, man, because, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for the sparring partners and I'm responsible for the guys, you know, that Francis is going up against. And, uh, you know, we had a guy come in on, on, uh, on the Monday and came and did some work with us. Big, big guy from uh, Germany. One of all these guys, really nice guy. By no means was he like trying to be malicious or anything like that. So the rounds on Monday went really well, but there was mostly grappling and wall wrestling. And then Tuesday um, was our day of sparring. And then that's when Francis got that injury and went with with that guy. And, you know, we we were going with our set of sparring partners that we had. And then, you know, Francis tuned up one of them pretty good. And that guy needed a round off. So the other guy from Germany said, you know, he would jump in. And in my head, I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. I've never seen these guys spar. I don't know if this is something I want to do. And like, but it was like thousand one, thousand two, and that now he's in the cage. And then, uh, you know, Francis was feeling himself, man. He was on a pretty good flow that day and was, you know, touching up the body. And 
uh, hitting pretty much every combination he was he was landing or throwing. And then this guy just shot a very very low single, you know, and and got on Francis's uh, Francis stand southpaw. So he got on his front leg, which would have been his right leg, and then man just completely like collapsed the leg, and my my heart sunk. I was like, oh dude, this guy's this guy just tore his knee up, you know. And so yeah, it was a it was a long three and a half weeks. So when when it when it finally came fight week, Danny, it was kind of nice, bro. It was like. It was like, all right, we're here. We're fighting now. You know, all of our cards on the table. You know, let, let the best man win. So, yeah, the fight, we kind of hit cruise control for me. So it was nice to just be able to get there and chill. Dude, it was amazing, man. I'm telling you what, man. If he had an injury, I couldn't fucking tell. I'll tell you that, dude. It was it was phenomenal. The last time I had you on, man, I had mentioned how big strides Francis made with his striking. How I was like, man, from his early days to how he looked on Stipe, it was so sharp and crisp. And since this fight, it was it was his wrestling that was phenomenal. I was like, dude, Nick Sick is a fucking savage. That's what I thought the whole time I was watching this fight. I'm like, in like literally a year, the advancements from his striking and his wrestling has just been insane, dude. Like, how was the game plan, you know, going into gain? And like, that dude, it was it was it was a pure dominant performance, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, bro. It's a you know, it's a it's a gym thing. You know, it's a standard that we set, and we just put him in the right environment. You know, and and there's so many great coaches at Extreme Couture that we just surround ourselves with greatness. You know, Randy came in quite a bit during the pandemic and helped us out a lot actually in the Jarzinho camp. So a lot of the information that we had from the Jarzinho camp, we just kept building off of, you know, um, Dennis Davis, Nate Pettit, all of our wrestling guys over there. And that, that's the thing too, you got to understand is like, when you get to that level, especially at the championship level, you can't always rely on your fastball. You have to have some off-speed pitches and some other things in your arsenal because that not, that might not be your night. Your fastball might not be working that night. So we have to lean on other things. And, you know, that was the, always the game plan is, you know, to take whatever's the best route available to win the fight. And that's what presented itself was the wrestling. So it's like, hey, okay, we can get this guy down. He really had no answers to getting his way back up. And Francis seemed like he was ahead of him when it came to the grappling. So that's why we just stayed on that grappling game. Dude, it was phenomenal, man. I'm telling you, I, I was I was blown away. I, you know, hats off to you guys with, Dewey Cooper with with his help, man. You guys are just a, an animal of a team, dude. And it's it's showing, dude. Like I, um, just before uh, moving on from 270, just before that for your guys' fight night that just happened uh, yesterday, um, there is a really cool video about uh, Strickland talking about you and how much you've done for him. And then the same thing with Puna, dude. Talk about yesterday, man. It, it was again, dude. It was another fucking extreme Couture MMA fucking out showing. It was it was it was phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, you know, led off by Julian Arosa. You know, he, was, he went out there and, and showed out, got the fight of the night bonus, um, and actually doubled up on it because Steven Peterson didn't make weight. And uh, actually, kind of a funny backstory. Uh, you know, this had me dying all week long, and no one really knew this. But so uh, Sean Strickland and I are at the PI. We're cutting weight on Thursday night, and we're in the sauna. And there's like three guys in the sauna, one of them being Julian Arosa's uh, opponent, Steve Peterson. And Julian's just, or uh, Steven's just, uh, Steve, Strickland's just talking to everybody in the fucking sauna. And like, this guy was getting so pissed off. You could tell, I mean, he just was, I mean, no one wants to listen to anybody talk while they're cutting weight. And just Sean is just relentless. And he's like, oh, hey, so where are you from? Where do you fight? Da, 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 da. And this guy just kept having to walk out of the sauna and like get away from Sean and come back in the sauna. This is like, I felt so bad for the guy. So, um, you know, we ended up we ended up leaving and come to fight out the guy in this weight by like three pounds or something. <laughs> I, told, I told Julian, yo, Strickland, 30% of that because 
we talked this guy out of the sauna the whole time, man. It was it was hilarious. So yeah, man, it was a, it was a good night. You know, I was really happy with Julian, uh, his performance. He's he always fights for like that. Um, I think we're finally starting to see what we see in the gym out of Julian Rosa on a day to day basis. He's he's a nightmare. He's one of the toughest dudes in the room, and um, now I think he's putting the, put it together in the cage. Uh, Puna had a tough showing, man. Like in my head, like I felt like Puna easily could have won rounds one and two um, with damage that he occurred, and then it just seemed like Maximo was just we just kind of stalling the positions, wasn't doing much in those positions. So um, by no means do I feel like it was a robbery. It just was a very weird and tough fight to judge. So like when Mike Bell had it for Puna, I could see what Mike was looking at and I could see what the other guys were looking at. Um, I definitely didn't agree with Doug Crosby's assessment of it being a 30-27, but I can definitely see, you know, it wasn't a robbery by any means, but, um, you know, I, I felt like, you know, Puna was going to that gut wrench a little too much and we sort of shoved the head and got back up to the feet and, and uh, wrestled more as far as like the clinch, clinch side of it goes and less of the body lock series stuff. So you know, that's on us as coaches, man. We just got to get better in those areas because Puna's a savage. When you get him on his feet, he's trying to knock your head off. He's a fan favorite when, when he's in there. So we got to get better with that. And then, you know, he'll bounce, he'll bounce back. And then, you know, Sean Strickland, man, he, he went in there and just set the pace. He, he used his jab, dictated the range. Um, moreover, he, he really utilized his cage control. That was our very, very most important thing in the camp when it came into camp with Jack Romanson was, was keep your back off the cage. That's where Jack, I think, was going to be his best was when he closed you down to that red zone and was able to get in that Greco and, and get chest to chest with you. And uh, we saw him get there a couple times, but uh, Sean was, was able to, to, to negate a lot of those fit in. So, you know, for me, it was, it's, it's kind of all downhill from there with Sean. Yeah, man. You know, I, I couldn't agree more with the, uh, the Arosa assessment, dude. I, that was insane, man. It was fucking such an insane fight, and the balls on both of them, dude. What a fucking fight that was. And, dude, you can see uh, Puna's potential, man. He – He's a fucking killer, man. Like, I, he's gonna be scary as hell. For that. He's only gonna get better and better and better. And dude, he's, you know, I, I'm I'm super excited for his future, man. He he's only had I don't like how many fights, not a lot at all. And like he's dude, he's yeah, he's, this is tenth uh, tenth pro fight. Nothing, like dude, he's he's a killer, man. I can't wait to see what's coming for him. And Strickland, dude, that's so funny. You mentioned the sauna story, man, because. As soon as I heard him talk, I was like, this dude sounds exactly where the fuck I'm from, man. Same shit. And I check it out. I was like, he's born in Anaheim. I was like, oh, no shit. Yeah. We're all assholes yeah. like that around here, man. I'm telling <laughs> you, man. That's funny, man. But he was, dude, I was impressed with what he was doing. I, I had mentioned or I had listened to the fight and uh, Michael Bisping had said, um, and, he, and he didn't say this with any offense. He was just saying, you know, like Strickland doesn't do anything to me that is fancy, but like he's super efficient. You know, he's really efficient. Like his jab lands all the time. Like he's controlling the cage. He's doing this. And that's what stood out to me. I was like, wow, man, like he is, he's landing almost every jab. And it's, it's not like he's like a, you know, like most crazy, like strikers have their hands up here and they're moving around a lot. Like he's, he's flat footed, but it's a quick jab, man. And he, he did fucking phenomenal, man. I, I was really impressed with the fight and man, that division's scary, man. I know that they, he had mentioned Adesanya and all these guys, man. What, what's, uh, what's next for Sean Strickland, man? Yeah, I think there's a lot to play out this next weekend with, um, you know, Izzy and Whitaker, obviously, and then you got Brunson and Cannoneer. So it's almost that title eliminator, depending on on who wins out of Whitaker and Izzy. If Izzy wins, then I think they're going to put fresh blood in there. Um, so you can easily get maybe like a Whitaker if Whitaker loses, Strickland Whitaker, um, maybe even the winner out of Cannoneer or the loser out of Cannoneer Brunson. You know, there's a lot of things I think you can match up. Um, you know, people are kind of pegging him and Marvin to fight him and Marvin are actually really close friends. 
So, you know, um, I don't know if that fight would ever transpire, but, you know, it's business. So uh, as tough as it is to fight your friends, you know, sometimes it, you, you have to do it to, to get in that pecking order of the title. So, but uh, I think there's some options out there for him and we'll see how next weekend shakes out. Yeah, dude, I'm super excited. The, the biggest takeaway I took from from the whole thing, though, was, dude, like your, your commentary, man, like it just shows miles away how much better you are, at least in my opinion, dude. And I, in my opinion means dick, but I'm just being like as honest as I can, because I related to me playing ball as a kid, man. I, I played ball like in a in a ghetto neighborhood park and I had coaches like you were. I noticed like your 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 technique. It's fucking phenomenal. It's where first you acknowledge what just happened in the ring with some sort of like motivation, like fucking good job, kid. Fucking you're having fun yet. I fucking love that shit. And then you break it down with some genius IQ of the fight. All right. Now you slip the jab, do this, do that. And I was like, man, that's perfect. Cause you're literally hit, you're hitting on every level of what a fighter needs. He does need the acknowledgement. He does need the motivation, but he also needs to be told the truth. And I noticed that, man, I noticed how he did that with Puna. I noticed how he did that with Strickland, man. Like, you know, like, again, I think we went over this in the last podcast, but I think that comes from like your coaching lineage, right? With your father and everything like that. Yeah, definitely. You know, in the, you know, positional playing where I played quarterback and that was something my dad taught me at a very young age, you know, cause you know, I was always just very hair on fire and going hard, going fast. And, you know, my old man was like, look, you, you, you can't always yell at everybody on the field that way. Like you, there's, you have to approach things differently. Everybody's going to be different, you know? And, and uh, he dropped me with the Abraham Maslow quote. He said, if, if the only tool you have is a hammer, then everything looks as a nail. So he goes, you got to get more tools, man. You know, so I always remember that. And, and then that's kind of the kind of way I think I, I approach my coaching is, is knowing my fighter and knowing what they need. Some guys don't need the raw, raw shit. As you saw with Sean, it was, it was very simple with him, you know, and, and half the time I was hardly even in the cage. I just giggled, gave him some water, told him a couple of things and left, you know, because he was in his own element. And that's what I love about him, man. He's going to tell you what he wants. And then as a coach, I don't have to overtake or overstep. I have to just give him the right things that he needs. Some guys need that full minute. Some guys need a stool. Some guys need to totally look pretty. Not, not Sean Strickland. He's a completely different animal. So, um, but that's the, I think that's the job as the coach is to adapt to your fighter. Oh yeah, I did 100%. And then I think the part that even, even more was like, dude, this guy's a beast, man is, or at least it showed how humble you are is you do your whole thing with your fighter. And then briefly after you ask, what do you got coach? And you ask the other coach what he's got too, man. Cause that, to me, that just shows like, dude, we're a fucking team. Okay. Like I, it's yeah, I have to take care of my job. I am the head coach here, but we all did this together and no, and no one's left out of this. And you acknowledging that it, it, you know, for me, I noticed that shit. I don't know if everyone else does, but I for sure noticed that. Well, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. And, and you know, there's things cause you get tunnel vision, you know, you might be seeing a particular thing and then that's why you have that other coach, you know, and he might be a brother. He might be a family member. He might be a wrestling coach. He might be, you know, just somebody that has a little bit more Intel or something on a different level. So um, you know, I always try to leave at least 15, 20 seconds for the other coach because he might have a piece of information to give that's pertinent to the fight. And, uh, you know, obviously with myself and Dewey Cooper, and, you know, Eddie Bracco, Dennis Davis, like we all flow well in the corner so well together when we're there. So we, we feed off of one another. It's perfect, man. I love it. I wanted to ask you too, I, and I, I'm sure I already know the fucking answer because it's, it's bananas, but um Dude, the, the judging for the Strickland fight that, you know, I know it's a it's a huge problem. I know everyone's talking about it, um, but nonetheless, it needs to be talked about. It's, it's it was ridiculous. I don't even know how they had anyone Hermanson winning the fight. He, he put up a hell of a fight. The dude had balls. He did. He did. He did a great job, but it was clear Strickland basically won every round. I, I don't even know where that comes from. Like, how do we how would we go about fixing like judges and not just like state of Nevada, but fucking everywhere, man. 
yeah, I, I just think they just need to be held to a higher standard in a like a like a review board or something. But uh, the biggest thing that I noticed too is is when when and where are they getting their reps? You know, when is their practice rounds? And they don't have practice rounds. Their practice rounds are live. So, you know, it's life or death for them. And, and I was actually talking to my wife about that today. It's funny. It was like, you know, if you're a Navy SEAL, you don't, they just send you right to combat. You know, you, you're, 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 at the, you're at the gun range for, for thousands and thousands of hours before they send you anywhere. So at what point are judges getting their reps? They're nine to fivers. They have other jobs, you know, so they're, they're not in the gyms. And I've, I've tweeted it. I've, I've mentioned it. I've actually talked to the guys at uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission that my gym is always open during any sparring session for these judges and referees to come in and get more reps. So they're not live round reps. They're, they're practice rounds. And not one of them, very rarely, not one of them. Mark Smith has really been the only one that's ever taken me up on that has come in. And uh, actually, Adelaide Bird. Adelaide Bird has been in the gym to, to, to look at some of the stuff that we do in grappling. So, you know, you got to give credit where credit's due, man. Like when people, when you offer that and people have shown up, you got you to gotta give credit where credit's due because at the end of the day, man, like all we want to do is see people get better and how can we help? I can, I can pose a problem, right? But how do I help the problem is try to give some solution to, to answer that problem. So, um, but that's my biggest thing is, man, where are they getting their reps and, and their reps are live. Yeah, man. And it's, it's, it's so important how, how like that element comes to fighting, man. Like when you talk about like, reps you're talking about like for you i'm sure when you're uh when you're doing fire training before you became a coach i'm sure you did scenarios all the fucking time and i'm sure in the scenarios you ate dick and you're like god damn thank god that wasn't real life thank god this is just practice thank god i i, I do it now so when it's real life I'm, I'm squared away and i'm ready to go man because if you're not doing it ever like you said you're just you're set up to fail dude exactly so i mean i think that's the biggest thing is 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 at least reaching out and i've, I've talked to a couple guys at the athletic commission yesterday and today you know, and they were very, they were very progressive in what I had to say about, you know, some of the judging and they weren't happy with it either. But my, my whole goal is not to get, not necessarily get people fired, but it's like, Hey, let's, let's help give them a platform where they can improve. You know, if they're, if, if you think about this too, Danny, like there's lives, man, careers, livelihood, not only for the fighters, but also the coaches. And it, it sucks because, you know, we're in a situation where you're getting your, your win bonus and your purse money you're having two paychecks and you're relying on, on the opinion of somebody. And if they're not qualified to make the right judgment, then, you know, lives and careers are at risk. And we've seen it time and time again, you know? So I, I just hope they get better with that. Yeah, man, exactly. Um, I, and I, I think it's a huge reason why a lot of people even went to the, uh, like fans started watching the UFC a lot more than boxing. Cause people were over it, man. Like everyone saw the first Canelo triple G fight and, and there's no fucking way Canelo won the fight. It's not, you can watch it over and over again. And, they call it a draw, and you're like, this is just like, come on, yeah. man. That was everyone's almost last draw. We're like, we've been dealing with this since the 70s. We're kind of over this shit. And then the numbers were huge to the and that and that's what people love about the sport is that I know I've heard Joe Rogan mention it that we should get experts in there that have done the sport, blah blah. And I, you know, and I couldn't agree more, man. Um, I want to talk about your other fighters too, man. I know like uh we we went over all these fighters that have just been fighting recently, but we still got Dynamite Dan, and you know, if Misha's taking a fight again, you know, all Jermaine Sterling. What about your what about your other fighters, man? Yeah, everybody's doing really well. So, uh, you know, I've been working a lot with Aljo. He's back in town. He'll be home for the next week and a half. Um, we, had, we had a good week of work. We did like some technical pads and then got in some cardio stuff. But, you know, the, the meat and potatoes at camp is kind of getting laid out. I think he's got like 10 weeks. So he's got, he's got quite a while. Um, Ige just got back home. We're hope, hoping to get booked for June. Um, Misha Tate just got booked for uh, Lauren Murphy. I believe that was in May. 
So she's going to be fighting at 125, moving down in weight uh, against uh, Lauren, who's game, man. She's tough. So, um, yeah, man, a lot, a lot of good stuff on the horizon. Um, Iwan Kudalaba's back in the gym. His fight just got postponed versus uh, Ryan Spann. Uh, we got Casey O'Neill fighting next week. She'll be out there with Coach Eddie. She's just young stud, man. I, I love that girl, bro. She, she's a hammer. So we got a lot of good things coming through the gym right now. Yeah, man, I'm excited. This, I'm telling you, man, you guys are taking over the world, man. I mean, you have been for the last couple of years, but it's, it's, it's really apparent now. Uh, what do you think is, um, what do you think is next for Francis, man? I, I, again, dude, like I, I see, he just keeps getting better and better and better, and you know the competition keeps dwindling down because, dude, like, it, how are you gonna beat this fucking guy, man? I mean, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. Yeah, you know, and I think for him is, uh, unfortunately, with the knee injury, he's going to be out probably nine months, and he's going to be able to sit down and kind of reflect on what he wants to do with his career and where he wants to go from there. Um, you know, we 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 actually had a very productive meeting with UFC, and it was nice to kind of just be able to sit and talk, and uh, and hopefully that went well on both sides. And um, you know, I I think from my heart, I feel like he's going to stay with the UFC um, and get something done. But again, you ne you never know, and and um, I mean, he could box, he could do this, he can do that, but the, the sky's the limit for when it comes to Francis. Yeah, he should be on Jackass full time. Fuck it, they pay well too, man. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. He was he was so nervous about that, bro. He's like, I didn't want to kill this poor guy. I, was like, well. <laughs> I just saw it yesterday, man. It was fucking hilarious. Jesus Christ. But uh, man, yeah, I really do think that's phenomenal, dude. Um, what do you what fights are you looking forward to next, man? I know 71's coming up, 72, man. What what do you got your eye on? And like maybe there's uh competitors out there you're keeping your eye on. Um, you know, that's a good question, man. Like, I think for me, um, who am I excited to see? Uh, I think definitely like, I think for Casey, just, just with her being in the gym and where she's at and the trajectory of her career, um, you know, we got B win, she's out fighting in for one FC, I think next week. And we got some young, young Hawaiian boys fighting the next couple of weeks in, uh, in Pune and Boston. So those guys will all be up next. Max Roshkoff's up in, um, in, in March uh, for Cage Warriors, as well as who else we got? Um, Ryder Newman. Yeah, so a lot of, a lot of young guys. And I think that's the nice part about the gym is there's always that like life blood of the young guys and girls coming through the coming through the facility and everything else. So, um, but I, I think as far as like pro wise, man, you know, I, I it's it's hard for me to, you know, when you get a weekend off, you're like you just want to sit and chill and not not watch fights, and then I end up sitting sitting around watching more fights. So I'm definitely looking forward to Izzy and Whitaker. I think the Izzy Whitaker fight's going to be a lot better than the first one, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that's the thing that's super interesting about uh about Asanya, man, is like his name is true to what he is. He is a style bender. Like I, when someone is aggressive, he's just as aggressive as them. And then when someone wants to lay back and not throw punches, he'll just pick you apart, not be over aggressive, and just you know play your game. And you know, I think Whitaker came out a little aggressive last time, and you know they were trading punches pretty quick. And I, I think he'll be a little bit more composed. I think it's gonna be an exciting fight, man. I agree. I, I can see it going in in, a, in a, like championship rounds and being close. You know. Because I think we're seeing a better Robert Whitaker the last few times out as well since his last loss to Izzy. Yeah, absolutely, man. And then um, 272, dude, we'll be in Vegas for that one, man. I'm excited. I'll be having a breakfast with Brad Tate that morning. So maybe we'll give you a call and talk shit or something. Nice. Yeah, I saw Brad yesterday, man. That's my guy. Oh, he's the best, dude. I'm telling you. We just yeah. had him on the show uh, like two days ago. I'll put the podcast up tomorrow, man. He's the coolest. Nice, man. I like, Yeah, I like Tate a lot, bro. That's my guy. Hell yeah, man. Well, dude. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time, man. I promised you 30 to 45 minutes. I know you got a family to take care of. Thanks for stopping in, man. Congratulations on all your success with Extreme Couture. You guys are fucking killing it, man. I, and I'll, we'll see you in Vegas for 272. My pleasure, Danny. I will see you soon, brother. Come by the gym and see us. Oh, of course, brother.
This is Alternate yeah. Take. We'll see you guys later. Peace. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen, our interview with the best MMA coach in the world, Eric Nixick, out of Extreme Couture MMA. Thanks a lot for coming on the show, Eric. It's always a pleasure, man. I, uh, I'll i definitely take up your offer, man. I'll stop by at, uh, at Extreme Couture at 272 while I'm in Vegas, man. That'll be an awesome experience for sure. And um, what can I say, man? You're the best in the business, dude. Congrats on a Rosa's win. I know Soriano's going to be a goddamn animal in the future. Strickland's a fucking beast. And, God, I'm looking forward to Aljamain and Misha's next fights and, of course, Singano's quick or a quick and speedy recovery. JB, you got any closing words? No, pretty much just uh, let you said it all. Thank you so much, and we'll, uh, hopefully we'll see you in the next what, month or so out in, in Vegas. Yes, sir. This is Alternate Take. We'll see you guys soon. Peace.